Well, good morning. Evan, could I have that first slide up? There we go. Oh, no, it's not big enough to read <laughs> back there. Um, uh, my name is Ken, and I just want to read the scriptures that we're going to be talking about today. Hold on a second. I'll read from this way. But when he came to himself, and you can read with me, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And I, the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the, the best robe and put it on him. And, and put a ring on and his hand and, and, and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's go and eat and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Well, again, good morning. My, my name is Ken, if we've not met before. And I am a grateful believer in Jesus who often struggles living in this broken world. And that's because there are many ways that I have been broken because of my own sin and also because of the sins of others that, that affect me. And I am grateful that I have realized and admitted to what my real problem is, me. And I'm also grateful because I know that there's a solution to the problem and his name is Jesus. I um, am also grateful that I've had both those realizations. That I've, I've, I've come to myself. See, one day I became woke to me. You know, there are many today that say they are woke because they see the systematic problems of our world. But sometimes that's just a, a blaming others for the problem. I believe true wokeness is very useful. To truly become woke, you must become woke to yourself. When you become woke to yourself, you will discover the power to change. When you're only woke to the problems of others or, or society and not yourself, there is not a lot of hope of lasting change in your life. So our message today is come to yourself. See, coming to yourself is a great gift. But, but many of us, like me, have to go through great pain to finally get there. And often, it causes a lot of pain to others in our lives before we get there. And in, in Jesus' parable, there's a son who basically says to his father, you're dead to me. Give me my money. Give me my inheritance now before you actually die. And the father has to sell his own property. The, the word property in the original Greek is the word bios, which means life or livelihood. And the father is good and he honors the son's demands. And, and according to the Torah, two-thirds was given to the younger son and the eldest would have gotten, uh, I'm sorry, one-third was given to the younger son and, and two-thirds to the elder son. 
And then the young son gathered all he had, and he, he took a journey into a far country. And, and what the text means by gathered all is that is he converted his father's life, his property, his farm, whatever it was, maybe his business, he converted it into cash, and he just takes off. The father gave up his life for his son. And the son just goes and blows it. He blows it quickly in wild living in a far off country like Las Vegas. And because what happens in Vegas, or what, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, he's stuck there. He's stuck. Because he squandered every bit of the life that the father had given him. And with no resources, things become worse in Vegas. Because there's a great famine down there. And everybody is struggling. But, but, but see, this father... He, he loved him enough to let him go. He loved him enough to let him go get into a mess. He was giving the son he loved the opportunity of the gift of coming to himself. Now, the, the Pharisees in the crowd listening to this parable would have been shocked. They would have been horrified by this story. They would think, what an absolutely evil son that would treat his father so disrespectfully. This, this boy squandered his life. He's disrespected his father, and he's violated everything that their culture believed in. And then they would think that the father was an absolute fool in giving this rebellious kid anything when he asked. Instead, this kid should have been beaten or disowned because of his arrogance, for even asking. But again, the father in the story loves the son enough to let him go. Because the father had faith in who his son was. The father did not try to protect his kid from having problems. He did not try to hold him back or try to control him. Instead, he gave his son the freedom to almost destroy himself because he knew this was how the boy would finally come to himself. Now, the father in Jesus' parable is definitely not a helicopter parent. Definitely not a helicopter parent. He had enough faith in who his son was to let him go. And Jesus in this parable is describing his own father, our God to us here that loves us enough to let us fail. He loves us enough to let us fail. And he does this so that we might gain the priceless gift of becoming woke to ourselves. You know, when I share the three circles with people, I often say when we depart to God, from God and, and we end up in brokenness, we, we think that that's a bad thing. But I say to people, it's actually a really good thing if we will listen to the pain and learn from that brokenness and make the next right decision. Now, now the kid here is hungry. He's not got no good employment options because his father also allowed for or planned for a famine. And, and to survive, he does the worst thing possible, hire himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And the Pharisees, they get the gist of what he's doing. He's going to work for a Gentile. Hiring out has a much deeper meaning in the original language. Uh, it, it means to live with 
and, and to enjoin your lives with people. A good Pharisee uh, did not even eat or speak with Gentiles. And it was okay to work for one, but not to enjoin your life with them. And that's why they're, they're grumbling about Jesus. The, 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 the Gentile and the boy tied themselves together. Those Gentiles, they had no regard for this boy either. They just used his labor. And, and they did not provide for him. Jesus tells us that no one gave him anything. And, and the boy learns that there's no free lunch in the world. That you're only as good as what we can get from you. You know, while he was rich, they, they had lots of friends. And now all the friends have departed. And with nothing more to buy love and kindness, the boy is starving. And, and, and the hungry young man learned the sad realities. that the, the Gentiles who once took his money when he was all flush and pretended to be his friends cared more about filthy domesticated animals than him. His life is really in the toilet. And then Luke 15, 17, where we start our text today, says, but when he came to himself. Friends, what, what does it take to come to oneself? You know, the Pharisees listening to this parable assumed the kid was below rock bottom, getting what he deserved for his foolishness and, and for his wickedness. At this point in the story, they have written the kid off. But they forget, like the boy has forgotten, that he is someone's son. Friends, how much needless pain are you willing to tolerate in your life until you remember who you really are? What is bottom for some of us is pretty minor. And, and we return without going too far. But for others of us, sin takes us on a journey until it either does us in or we finally get sick and tired of being sick and tired and come to ourselves. Isaiah the prophet says, We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. All of our own fixes we think will be our solutions to problems are just medications, medications that have a hangover. And often these keep us from coming to ourselves and, and really admitting the, the source of the problem, which is us. But this boy, in Jesus' story, was finally given the real gift of insight. And maybe when the boy left, he, he felt justified in leaving the way he did. After all, he deserved to have his best life now. And maybe he thought it was his father who was holding him back. And maybe he thought it was his overachieving brother who always made him look bad or unsuccessful that was holding him back and, and, and he became bitter. Surely, if he got free from all of their rules, all of their negativity and, and did things his own way, then everything would just work out great. Maybe the young man saw the problems of his life were everyone else's fault and that he deserved greatness and they, his family, were all just holding him back. And our pride, my pride, makes me real blind to the real problem, me 
sometimes. I think it's true of all of us. And in this parable, Jesus hopes that the Pharisees who grumbled about everyone else would learn that in this parable. Whoops. <laughs> um, lost my note here. There we go. Um, maybe they also needed to learn that judgment doesn't change people. We can only hope and pray that they gain insight through their own, fixing their own lives, seeking the Father's help to change. You know, the Father seems to be the only one in this story that gets that. And by his love, he, he gave the Son the opportunity to fail and, and gain insight that could save him. You know, I've had the opportunity to lead recovery groups for different types of addictions. And there are lots of forms of addiction out there. We, we tend to only think of, of drugs and, and alcohol. But there are many forms of the same problem, really. Pornography, greedy for success, collecting things or, or hoarding, gambling, media. Media is a great addiction, TikTok and Facebook and binging on Netflix and video gaming, reality TV and gossip. You get addicted to all those things. Food, one of mine. Prescription drugs, fixing people or codependency, that, that need to feel good about making somebody else's life change. Affairs, love addiction. In AA, there's something called a, a drink with two legs. You know, many people have an unhealthy addiction to people. And friends, these are all departures from God into a far country and to our Father to fix or medicate our problems or ways to control our own lives. In recovery, we call this insanity. You know, we may think we're in control, but we're really not. The truth is, we have no insight to what the real problem is. And often we just keep departing from our Father into those squiggly lines that lead us to be more broken and, and to be more hopeless in life. Coming to ourselves is clarity. Clearly seeing the reality of our folly and clearly seeing the Father's goodness. And that's what the young man in this parable finally did. He said, how many, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? How many? Friends, that's, that's clarity. How many? He's finally thinking rationally and gratefully about the goodness of our father. He's observed his father's goodness to others his whole life, but he hadn't understood it yet. Not just a few, but to many. And in his insanity, he thought, his father was only worth what he could get from him. And he resented him. When he didn't get as much as he wanted, he resented him more. But his father was generous but beyond measure. And he gave more than enough to many. More than enough. 
I remember when this moment of clarity came to me as a young man, a young man who was out there trying to conquer the world, and at the pit of my own folly, I realized God had already given me everything that I truly desired in life, and that it was my own want, it was my own insanity for success that had almost let me destroy what he had given me. Clarity is realizing that we have been more given more than enough and that our Father is more than enough to satisfy our hunger. Jesus said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's a promise from God. Friends, we'll never become satisfied until we become satisfied in God our Father. Jesus said this also. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Friends, coming to ourselves in a moment of humility is where we realize that we have become spiritually bankrupt or or poor in spirit, that we have chased after a false fortune and realized that we sacrificed the true treasure of our Father in doing so. Jesus tells us our Father's desire and character is to give us more than enough. Everything we need and everything we desire is in Him. And this is true if we're rightly thinking about the Father. I think one of the problems is many of us have been disappointed by earthly fathers. And and, and so we depart in anger and pain from our true father. Clarity only finally comes to us when everything is stripped away. We're broken and, and we see the reality of our heavenly father and are finally grateful for him. Jesus described his father this way. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. It it is our bitterness because of disappointment that can keep us from actually seeing that reality. In clarity, the boy sees the reality of his father's clarity. But also in that same light, He sees the reality of his own poor character. And he says this, but but I perish here with hunger. He has caused himself pain by his departure from the Father's presence. And he must admit, he must admit the most important part of his recovery, that he's powerless to fix his own life. Yes, he had the power to destroy it. The, the word perish here in the Greek is the word apolemi, which means to destroy, to put an end to, to render useless. It's a, the same word that's used for lost eight times in this, this parable in Luke 15, or these three parables. It was his choice to leave the father. And that is what's destroying him. He has the clarity to realize, I perish here. I am destroying myself. What a gift, friends. What a gift to be in this place. Because there you have a choice. A a choice to continue in a path of self-harm, destroying yourself, or change direction and run back to the Father and live. 
Friends, this, this is adulting. This is adulting. This is taking responsibility for your own life and your own choices that have created the situation that you're in. But there is a deceptive road people start to take in, in Sandy called blame. This young man could have blamed the very famine which the father created to give him clarity. He could have blamed the father in the parable for not supplying with him enough to get him through it. He could have blamed his brother for getting two-thirds more. He could have blamed the Gentiles who don't have enough compassion to feed him. Uh, friends, I want you to think of blame as be lame. Blaming God or others for the consequences of our departure is what keeps us lame in life. We are unable to move forward in life. Others may have caused us real pain. I'm not minimizing that. Economics are struggle, uh, struggles are real. But they're not the real problem either. The real problem is us. We departed from the real solution. We are lame when we blame. When we're stuck in that place of blame instead of turning to the direction we should go. Friends, it's the oldest trick in the book. It's the oldest trick in the book. Adam and Eve tried it. Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed God for the wife that he gave him. Who made the choice to depart God's ways? They did. Who, who was pursuing them in kindness, trying to clothe them, and hoping for them to have a moment of clarity and come to themselves? It was God. Because of their blame, they never took responsibility, and we're all in this mess. They, they never even saw the solution was even pursuing them the whole time. The, the goodness of the Father was pursuing them. Instead, afraid of what was good, they hid in their sin, in the darkness, blaming what was actually good. Friends, this is what our departure into sin does to us. It, it distorts our reality. And the only way to get to clarity and come back to reality is to admit the real problem, our own rebellious hearts. Friends, this father loved his son enough to let him see the insaneness of his reality. He did not rescue the boy from pain, from the pain of finding himself. He let the consequences of his bad choices be what rescued him from the real problem, his rebellious heart. Now, now the circumstances are bad for this young man. He, he has caused himself and his family heart. He is broken, and his pain is really great. Now he has another choice to fall into despair or depression and slowly die or take action and live. First action, admit where you went wrong, that you went the wrong way. Second action, turn back home to the solution, the Father. See, that's what repentance is. That, that's all that repentance is. He says that in verse 18, I will arise and I will go to my Father. And that, that's repentance. I will arise and I will go to my Father. But we must be careful here. There's another deception could lead us back into our insanity called regret. 
Regret alone is not repentance because there's, there's no action. There's no change of direction. It's only depression over the bad choices or the bad circumstances that, that we find ourselves in. There's a solution, friends. Arise and go to your father. But having knowledge of the solution without action does not save us from destruction. You can know a life preserver is good and that it will keep you afloat. You can know that it will save you from drowning. But if you don't commit and, and grab it and hold on, you drown in all your knowledge of all of it, this preserver's goodness. Apathetically holding on also that life preserver is also very dangerous. The next wave of despair will knock you off it. See, the young man makes a commitment here to take responsibility. I will arise and I will go to my good father. Now, I would say this young man has come back partially to himself, realizing that his father is good. But, but he's still deceived by sin about who he is. Look what he says next. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. His mission of the problem is not the problem. That, that's perfectly true. All the sins we commit while they affect other people are ultimately friends against God. And this clarity and repentance, instead of regretting losses for, for the choices we have done, is I have done this. And ultimately, all my actions were a rejection of you, God. King David had this kind of clarity when he departed into sin, sleeping with Bathsheba. Yes, he hurt her. Yes, he hurt his kingdom. Yes, he hurt his lawyer, lawyer, soldier, and friend, Uriah, by having him killed. But in his prayer in Psalm 51, he admitted the real problem. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight. So that, the, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. That's insight. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Clarity is when we see the real problem accurately. And the solution is changing our own direction. Saying, I have left the Father in his ways. I can only fix it by going first to him. Because going first to fix it with others, without his wisdom, can just be another path of deception into more brokenness. The Bible says wisdom comes in fearing the one we have really offended, the one we've offended most, which is our father. And because the boy is still deceived without wisdom from the father, I want you to see what he says next. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. That's his plan to fix things. It's not his father's. I'm no longer worthy who, who, who gave him his worth? His father. Who, who said he's not worthy? He did. We already know that his judgment's not good. 
Friends, so many of us never make it home because we falsely judge ourselves as unworthy. And, and this keeps us from repenting and seeking forgiveness. This deception of proving our worth will, will just lead us into more sin. Friends, I want to tell you something very important. Friends, you are not who you think you are. You are not who others or the devil says you are. You are who the Father says you are. Your worth doesn't come from you. It comes from him. The, the young man departed into the world to find his own worth, and he got lost. We don't find our worth in what we do or what we don't do. Real clarity is coming to oneself and discovering where our worth actually comes from. This young man is still in the insanity of his rebellion by determining his own worth. He, he's departing from his father. He, 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 he says he deserves to be a servant, but the father says he's my son. He's humble. Yes, and that's good. But the plan is still flawed in his sinful thinking. His self-talk offends the father and heaven because it's against the very nature of things. The young man is still wanting just the benefit of the father, a place to live and a warm meal. But does he really want to be a son? Does he want a father? Many that have failed in life, they come to church. They even serve in a church to fix their own brokenness. But friends, that can just be another squiggly line called religion, a, a path again that leads to brokenness. The, the true path to restoration is in right relationship with your father. A right relationship, not as an unworthy servant, but as a son or as a daughter. His humble plan is good, but it's incomplete. And it might lead him back to brokenness if he does not actually, actually accurately come to understand his true worth. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. See, what gives this boy his worth is that he has a good father who is looking for him. The same one who had enough faith to let him go. Well, well the boy's eyes never left the father. I'm saying, well, the boy's eyes left the father for all that was shiny in the world. The father's eyes had never left him. The text says, while the son was a long way off, the father saw him. Does not say the son saw the father. The father is the one constantly looking, hoping for the restoration of the relationship. The son is looking down, feeling unworthy. The father is not looking at the losses from the son's departure. He is looking at what is truly valuable, his son. Sons and daughters of God, the Father's face right now is turned towards you. Turned towards you now, even now, no matter what you've done, looking upon you with love. While maybe you're even trying to attempt to go your own way. What does the Father feel here? What does he feel? Compassion, love for his son. 
maybe in his insanity, the son imagines <coughs> the anger of his father for his sins. And that's why he comes home with his head so low and he doesn't see the father. Jesus says the, in the parable, his father is not looking in anger, does he? He's not looking at anger at the sinner. He's looking upon him with love. You know, the Pharisees in, in Jesus' audience, the religious people, are, <clears throat> they're looking with anger upon other sinners, and they're looking with anger upon Jesus. But the Father is looking and hoping with love. What are you imagining more as you return, sinner? God's wrath or his love? If it's his wrath, then you don't know the Father. Because I don't see the Father's anger here in Jesus' parable about his Father to the sinner. And I would say Jesus knows his Father much better than you do. And he would have the truth. So, friends, who is the one angry with you? Who is the one that can't forgive you? Maybe, could it possibly be you? Repent. Return from that deception and come to the reality of the Father's love. Look what the Father does here. He, he runs. Now, now, the Pharisee would be horrified at this part of the story. Jewish men of means, they did not run. Friends, it was undignified. Children and, and the servants, they ran to do the bidding of their masters, but the master, he did not run. <clears throat> the Jews would have been insulted by Jesus' description of a, a father that would disgrace himself, not caring what others think, to embrace a worthless and, and defiled son. But here the father just runs and he hugs the necks and he, he locks his lips on the boy. The same boy the Pharisees say is useless. But to the father, his son was infinitely worthy of love. Pig juice and, and stink all over him. He embraces him because he knew his worth, even though the religious people and even the sun were still in their insanity. Thank you, Abdu. Friends, you're deceived if you believe you or anybody else has to clean up before coming back to the Father. You're deceived. That's Jesus talking here. That's not me. Embracing and kissing are Near Eastern signs of reconciliation <clears throat> and forgiveness. Who gave that freely? The Father. The Son's still trying to clean things up with his little prayer of, I'm so unworthy. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Those are the words the Father accepted as true words 
But the father would have nothing. None of this false insanity the son had planned to say next. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father does not even hear that lie because it's from the pit of hell. Relationship to the father is what makes his son worthy, not the son. Friends, your failures in life are an event. They're not your identity. They're not who you are. I want you to see what the father does next. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put rings on his hands, and put shoes on his feet. And the father here demonstrates the true worth of his child in what he does in front of the whole community for all to see. He asked for the best robe. Well, who owns the best robe? The father. The father puts his own robe on him to cover the filth of his son's sin. He took away all of his shame. And friends, that's what Jesus does for us. That's what he's going to do for this audience. He will clothe us by giving us his own righteousness. He takes our sin and our shame away by placing it on himself and putting it to death on the cross. Think about this story. The father here, who's the important one, is not covered with the best, but instead he gives his best to cover our sin and our shame. He shows our true worth to all of the heavenly community, that we are worthy because we are his. He puts a ring on the young man's finger as a sign to all that that son is no servant who has to work to prove how worthy he is, but he's a son who is worthy. He is worthy because he is loved by a good father who receives him as a son. The the son proved he is a son simply by recognizing his father's goodness and returning to him. A true son has faith in the unlimited goodness of the father and he will return to the father. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Daddy or Abba, Father. When you turn and you believe in the love that God has shown you through Jesus' son, your sin is covered. You are made into a son or daughter of God, a chosen one. The robe, the ring, and the sandals are all signs of your new status in God's family. They, They show all of heaven your worth. Even the devil, this is the worth of my son. You know, going barefoot in in Jesus' culture was a sign of humiliation and indignity and even slavery. And the father gave him shoes to prove to everyone his son was not going to be a a slave or a servant in his father's house. He had a place to stand in, in freedom and in authority and in honor in his father's house. Friends, you return to the father or ask yourself, have you returned to the father as a slave or as a son. Jesus said, whom the son set free is free indeed. 
A son and daughter is not in slavery to earn their father's love or in slavery to sin. Slaves work for the approval of their masters that they might earn favor, but a son already has favor. A a son is an owner of all the father has. This son only remembers the father's servants had more than enough. That's that's all he remembered. And this, this got him going in the right direction, going home. But he was still deceived about how truly good the father was. If servants had more than enough from his good father, how much more than he could think or imagine would a good father do for his sons and daughters? Sons and daughters of God, we have an eternal inheritance that is coming to us. Jesus proved that in his resurrection. He went to that distant country, death, and he was defiled by our sin and by our shame. But because of his worth as God's son, he could not be defiled by the corruption of our sin and death and the grave. God set him free, according to Psalm 16. For you will not abandon my soul to shield or let your Holy One see corruption. Three days after we killed God's son in the most shameful way possible in our insanity, the, the, the father's love raised his son from the grave. The son was restored to the father's right hand and given all authority in heaven and on earth and has authority from his father to raise his brothers and sisters, us, giving us the same inheritance as God's son. He gave his sons and daughters eternal life in his house. And and Jesus tells us we will not live in some little servant corner in the house, but in mansions, mansions in the father's house. He says, in my house are many rooms. And the, the translation is mansions. Jesus' promises us that we have authority <coughs> as sons and daughters of God. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we have died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign the universe with him. Jesus promises we will be like him, a son or daughter of God. In Jesus' parable, the father says, and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let's celebrate or let's eat and celebrate. Yeah, this boy's hungry. But the father, he, he's so good. He's not only concerned about his son, but the whole community, his whole house, because a fatted calf will feed 40 or more people. And the father's joy in his son's return is shared with the whole community. Everybody eats. And I think there's purpose in this because the son may forget who he is and and, and start to depart again. But now the boy's been restored to the whole community. And so he has a whole community to help him remember who he is. And that's that's how God restores us. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and and, and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayers of a righteous person has has great power in its working. See, leaving the community is how we get lost in insanity, in our isolation, and when we start selfishly just doing our own thing. 
The devil is a, a prowling lion, preying on that lone sheep. But yet the father says, let's eat in community. And the son and everybody else find satisfaction in him and their hunger. And in the celebration, his father's joy for the son, the son finds his value. You know, in each parable in Luke 15, there is great joy from who? The father. It doesn't matter if it's one out of a hundred or it's one out of ten or in this parable, one out of two sons. The father rejoices over the individual saved from destruction. And the father is saying to you today, you are worthy to have all of heaven rejoice over you. If you come to yourself, come to who the Father has made you to be, an eternal son or daughter of God. Jesus gives us some more clarity for the reason for the celebration. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. If, if, if we are a son or daughter today departing and have not come to ourselves. The Bible is clear about who we are. In Ephesians 2, it says, and you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in, once you, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience and that rebelliousness. You're dead you're, you're, you're destroyed. You're destroyed already. The Father doesn't need to destroy you. You're destroyed. Friends, coming to yourself is the beginning of life. Friend, if you live afraid of being condemned by God, you're already dead. You're already condemned. But there's no condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what the truth is. But if you think you're condemned, you're already dead. You don't know the Father's goodness. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes him and is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Death comes to us in our departing from the relationship. Life is found in understanding that first that you are dead or destroyed on your own and, and coming back to the relationship with your father is what brings you life. Today, if you are dead, if you're dead in your sins, admit it. Admit it like the son in the parable. I am destroyed without my father. Admit your own path is what has led you to your destruction. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming your brothers and sisters around you. Get woke. Arise and return to the Father, and you will find that he has been watching you. And he has sent his son to bring you home. He has sent his son to help you come to yourself. Come to be who he has made you to be.
a loved son or daughter. Come celebrate in his community, in his house. Get woke to yourself and who you really are. Arise and head home to your father. He sent his brother Jesus, your brother Jesus, to remind you of his goodness, to cover your sin, to cover your shame, and to rise from the dead to show you that nothing in heaven and earth can defile a true son or daughter in his father's eyes. Turn from death to life today. Believe in your father's goodness and come home just as you are. And then find out who you really are. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your son who gives us gospel in an embryo form here. Simply to show us how loved we are by the Father. Father, if there's anyone here today feeling unworthy, may they reject that insanity and turn to a Father who's been looking for them and hoping for them since before the foundations of this earth. Oh Lord, let them come to themselves today. Let them return home and discover who they are. Let them come home as a child, knowing that they're loved. For it's your kindness that's meant to lead us to repentance. Oh, Father, let them not sit there in judgment and condemnation. Right now, let them come to you and be forgiven and have their shame covered and be made new, a new creation in you. Father, do a mighty work in them as they repent and as they believe in your goodness. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.